into God's Word today because we're running late already. Um, these weeks now, this is fourth week, um, five, fifth week, fifth week, we're talking about faith. And I'm giving you a Christian definition of faith. Um, let me tell you why this matters, okay? If you go on the, the news, on TV and whatever else, people tend to talk about faith very vaguely. They even talk, if they're a Christian, using expressions such as, I have my faith. I, I don't know where I'd be without my faith, about their faith helping them, the faith getting them through. Okay, but there's something very important missing about those statements. Three letters, G-O-D. Faith in God. In fact, as Christians, we don't just confess a faith in God because other religions have a faith in God. We confess a faith in God through Jesus Christ, His Son. In fact, He is God the Son. So, that kind of vague talk about I have my faith could be, you could be anything. You could be any religion. As Christians, we confess our faith in God through Jesus Christ. The faith of a Christian is centered on Christ Jesus. So here's my definition of faith, Christian faith. Faith in God through Jesus, his son, by the Holy Spirit, according to the truth. And this is not just how you become a Christian, but how we live day by day as a Christian. We live by faith. A saved person will live by their faith. Faith is not a power we operate. Faith is not focused upon an outcome, but upon God who will hopefully help it to happen, make it happen. God, faith is Godward. Jesus said, have faith in God. So today we come to faith and prayer. Now this is a short-ish sermon, not an extensive and exhaustive teaching on the subject of prayer. And I'll probably leave out some things you'll think, why did you leave that out? Because of time and because I just stuck with what struck me this week. It's like sitting there in front of the computer saying, Holy Spirit, help me. I need to know what to say and what I don't think of, I'll trust I don't need to say, all right? So uh, I, my point today is I want us to encourage us all to be people who pray, and for those of us who haven't really got started, that at least we begin to do so. Um, prayer and faith are so linked together, you could take what I've just said about faith and substitute the word prayer. Here it goes. Prayer to God through Jesus' his Son by the Holy Spirit according to truth. This is how we pray. Uh, prayer is not a power we operate. Prayer is not focused upon an outcome, but upon God. Prayer is Godward. The sum of all that is this. Faith prays. Very simple statement. Faith prays. I'm going to ask the question, why pray? And it's going to be a bit of a, of, of a, of a Gatling gun riff this morning, but I'm, in, I'm going to answer that question, why pray, in a number of ways, okay? First of all, why pray? Because Jesus did. Simple as that. Jesus prayed, often into the night, sometimes all night, sometimes with his disciples, sometimes on his own, often in a remote place, away from others. He prayed before choosing the twelve. He prayed in Gethsemane before going to Golgotha. So read the Gospels and watch and learn from our Master about prayer. And there are some people who talk about the deeper life and the spiritual life and the, 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 the abundant life and all kinds of life. And they're, they're kind of all the time trying to create a super class of Christians. There's the ordinary dudes and then there's the real guys. Any teacher who proposes 
a life of faith, including prayer, which doesn't fit to the example of Jesus, should be totally rejected. Have nothing to do with that stuff. All right? Let's do it the way Jesus showed us to do it. And Jesus teaches us to do so. In the Sermon on the Mount, as the Lord Jesus addresses crowds of people in Galilee, he comes to a section where he addresses things that the religious Jewish people of his time commonly did, praying, fasting, and giving offerings. Thanksgiving offerings and tithes and so on. But hypocrites did these things to show off, to be seen by others. Therefore, the Lord teaches secretly to do them in a way that's only observed by our Father in heaven. Let me just read those scriptures to you. Jesus says, And when you pray, this is Matthew 6, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. Can you imagine standing on the corner in Thailand and praying out loud? <laughs> that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, so no rose, rosary beads and stuff, okay? Not just saying the same thing over and over again. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or sins as we forgive our debtors or those who sin against us. And do not lead us into temptation, trial, trouble, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For, Jesus hasn't finished yet, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And another time, away from the crowds, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him to teach them to pray. And he gave them the same pattern prayer. Jesus teaches us how to pray. Why pray? To pursue the purpose and honor of God. There it is at right at the beginning. The Lord's prayer, the pattern prayer, starts with God before it gets anywhere near our needs. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We may have a very urgent need. We may be in very real difficulties. But if we start to pray and all we're focused on is our problem, we may not get too far. We need to lift up our eyes. We need to lift up our heads. We need to lift up our thoughts and lift up our hearts to the Lord. Who are we praying to? Our Father in heaven, the Almighty, the All-Wise One, the Eternal One, the All-Seeing, the All-Powerful, the All-Knowing. The one to whom nothing is impossible. I've got this really big problem, Lord. He's going, what are you talking about? <laughs> but in our asking of him, we want to discover his will, his purpose. Maybe I think I know what I need, but God says, no, you got it wrong, David. Maybe I'm missing the point, the purpose of God. Notice too, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is not getting our will done in heaven. Prayer is asking the Lord that his will be done on earth. 
The pattern prayer ends in some versions, of course, with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So it begins and ends with God. Why pray? Because when we pray, we establish that the Lord is our or my God. I am not God. He is in control, not me. And let me put it this way to you. The world does not begin or end with me. The world's full of people and God owns all of them. But to his children, he is our dear Father in heaven. And the world continues in rebellion against the Lord, but we come to submit ourselves again and again into his heart of love and into his hands of authority. We establish again in our hearts, we say it out loud, you alone are God. Why pray? Because when we pray, we draw near to God. It's a beautiful biblical expression that we come close. We come away from everything else and come close to him. That's what Jesus teaches us before he gives us the pattern prayer. Go somewhere private. Go where only God sees you. Pray where only God hears you. Now, that's personal prayer and individual prayer, but there are two major ways of praying, praying together and praying as an individual. And both are taught in Scripture. Prayer is the pursuit of relationship with God our Father through Jesus' His Son by the Holy Spirit. We're pursuing relationship. Every relationship involves communication, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Teenagers, husbands. Mm. When, what can we expect when we draw near? We can truthfully, confidently expect acceptance, welcome, mercy, and help. The Lord promises that when we come close to him, he comes close to us. In other words, he meets us. Now, we advertise sometimes a prayer meeting. We have a prayer meeting on Friday evening on Zoom. Some of us meet together to pray for half an hour on Friday evening. We call that our prayer time, a prayer meeting. But God wants prayer meetings with you and I. He wants us to come so he can come. He wants us to gather so he can gather. He wants to be close with us. He wants to be able to begin to speak to us. So prayer is about listening as well as saying. Why pray? To open up to God, to be honest, to be ready to hear, to receive, to obey, to get straightened out, to get the kinks out, to get the dirt off, to get cleaned up. To be thinks, to see straight, think straight, to get my heart right way up. That's why it must start with him. Suppose I'm coming to the end of a, a day. It's been busy, it's been pressured. Probably a Sunday. <laughs> I've been nagged with news stretched in my emotions and reactions. I may be more weary in my soul than I'm actually tired in my body. What do I need? Shower and a cuppa? Yeah, okay, but I also need to be washed and refreshed in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. That's why, by long tradition, many, many centuries now, Christians at least start and end their day with some prayer. Why pray? To be supplied by the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. To live with confidence and gratitude in the goodness of God. So after speaking about God, to God about God, we then bring this ordinary need. And having established the priorities of heaven, we ask for our supply from heaven. Daily bread here points to uh, more than a loaf from the baker's. This refers back to when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and God supplied them every day, six days a week. They rested on the seventh and the money, and the, money the food from Saturday lasted, Friday lasted through Saturday. Let me get the Sabbath right there. I don't keep Saturday as Sabbath, so that's why I get confused. 
God supplied them daily with manna, which bred from heaven. It was, it was like, like, a, like a, a frost that dried on the ground. And with water and even with quail birds to eat. He supplied all their needs day by day. It says in, in Deuteronomy that their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out. There was a miraculous keeping, providing of God during those times. God, who did that for them, the children of Israel in the wilderness, how much more... Will he take care of us, his children, through faith in Jesus? He will supply all that we need for each day. And not just stuff that costs money, like food and clothing. What about wisdom, insight, courage, skill? I need daily supply. We do not boast as having resources within ourselves to accomplish anything. We depend upon the Lord. And his help and his supply. The wise heart says, I can't do it, but with God I can. Give us this day all we need, Lord, to live healthily and godly according to your goodness and your promises. We rest upon your supply. We're confident in your kindness. Why pray? To pursue life through the filter of faith and to get our hurts healed. Okay, this is a bit more of what I'm saying earlier, but never mind. How many of you read through the Psalms pretty much? You know, you've read most of the Psalms or all the Psalms? Okay. Haven't you find there's some prayers there that are pretty gritty? I mean, they, they, they get down dirty, don't they? I was really vexed with those people. I wanted to kill them. I paraphrase a little, but not much. Honesty. Pouring out your heart before God processing life through the filter of faith. Read David's prayers in the Psalms. That's what he does. He starts to pray. He's cast down. He's even, he's even complaining. Then he prays, remembers how good God is, how great God is. He remembers the mercy and faithfulness of God towards him. And he also remembers the people that he's having problems with, the people he's been struggling against. These wicked people who cause him distress and trouble will one day perish like a bunch of dry grass in a baker's wood-fired oven. He tells himself to trust the Lord. And he tells the Lord that he trusts him. He gets up different than he went down. When you read the Psalms, try using them or parts of them in your praying. You'll be shocked at times by just how honest those prayers are. As godly people, people just like us, process their experiences and their emotions to the Lord through honest prayer. We need to process life through faith and therefore through prayer so we don't live, continue on in disappointment, defeat, resentment, or bitterness. The Lord lifts up all those who fall and sets them back on their feet. He lifts the heads of his children to gaze again upon their father's faith. But we need to take the time to come to him and process life in his presence. And get our hurts healed. And in connection with that, the next thing is why pray to forgive and be forgiven. Lord Jesus said it in the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, those who transgress against us. But then he adds a, a further comment, doesn't he? For if you do not forgive, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. If you do not forgive, you, neither will your Father forgive you. Forgiveness, being forgiven and forgiving others is a central part of being a Christian believer. It's the way we breathe. It's the way we live. It goes back to the cross where Jesus said, amazingly, on the cross, about his execution, as I believe. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
Now, I know from personal experience how hard it is to stand in a sense or walk in the park, as I've done once or twice in my life, and say before the Lord, Father, I forgive them. It's like... (laughs) But until I say it, I don't get the breakthrough, do I? Amen? Because if I'm going to keep receiving the grace of God, I can't, I can't be ungracious and unforgiving. You have to say it and mean it. And sometimes you have to say it a few times until you begin to mean it. The Lord Jesus connects our being forgiven with forgiving others. Grace received must become grace given away. Jesus taught parables to drive his point home about unrighteous stewards who'd been forgiven much and then were beating up their, 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 their comrade, their fellow servant. But I have a right to feel the way I do. Yes, you do. You have a right to keep an infected limb attached to your body too. But it's not a good choice. It's not a good choice. Choose grace. Choose forgiveness. Choose freedom. There's much more I could say about that, and we probably will in a few weeks' time. Forgiveness. Why pray? To be strengthened and prepared by the Lord, to be led on this walk of faith rather than stumble through life. I should have made, oh, I've put it up there. To be led on this walk of faith rather than stumble through life. The bit of the prayer is this. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Trouble comes. We're not immune to it. There's no vaccine against it. All right? Trouble. Times of difficulty, distress. We live in a troubled world, a fallen world, lost in its rebellion against the Most High, and we're bumping up against that sin, worldliness, evil all the time. We ask that the Lord will not lead us into times of testing, which by implication means that we live in such a way we're not trying him. You see, the children of Israel in in the wilderness were constantly testing God, provoking him, rebelling against him, complaining, murmuring. So God gave them tests, which they routinely failed, but never mind. So we're saying, Lord, help me to be such a place I don't need to be put in the furnace to find out what's going on in me. Lead us not into temptation. So what do we need to avoid? Complaining, grumbling, rebelling, like the children of Israel, hiding secret idols, carrying on sinful practices. We need to get rid of all that stuff. Step out of here and say, lead me not into temptation. Jesus, the true Israel of God, had not long before delivered the Sermon on the Mount, been tested for 40 days in the wilderness, just as the children of Israel had been tested for 40 years. He received even the personal direct attack and attention of Satan. But Jesus overcame all that testing. The one who overcame the evil one in the wilderness and again on the cross and rose again to demonstrate his complete victory over sin and death and Satan. He can deliver us from the evil one and all his works. But this part of the prayer reminds us that we need to be prepared for pressure. We're asking the Lord to lead us. To lead us. We do not live by fate, but by faith. Those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. In other words, I'm not aimless, I'm not stumbling along, I'm looking for where God is leading me. The Lord knows tomorrow, we don't. But we can pray and prepare so that God gives us grace for tomorrow when it happens. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough of its own trouble. Thank you, Lord. That's encouraging. (laughs) Well, I've got another one for you, says Jesus. In the world, you'll have trouble. But cheer up, I've overcome the world. How do you get over the bumps 
humps of life, the hurts, the disappointments, the offences, the injustices. Take, talk them through with the Lord, get them out there, get some perspective, get grace, forgive, get mercy and help, and move on. Why pray to receive grace and mercy and how to help us? Hebrews 4.16, I'm trying to finish up in time. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We come boldly. Not, oh, I'm just sneaking in around the corner here for a bit of help, Lord. We come, Lord, I'm here again, but I'm, you tell me to come. And, and you welcome me and you invite me in. Now I, I need your help and your grace to deal with this situation, Father. To receive grace and mercy to help. Why pray? Because Jesus not only prayed, but still prays. We have a high priest. The rest of Hebrews 4 says we have a high priest who represents us before the Father. He's obtained and continues to obtain for us all that we need. Every bit of grace and mercy, every bit of help that you and I need is provided from heaven through Jesus as we simply pray and trust in God. And lastly, why pray? Because the whole of Scripture teaches us to pray. Examples prayer to us and provides prayers for us. And I, don't, I can't really pray much without the Bible. The Bible is what fuels me praying. I use it all the time to, to pray like that. There's not time this morning to call more witnesses, and I haven't written any more of that anyway. Read the Bible and pray the Bible. Pray, faith, praise. Faith, praise. Prayer is an act of obedience. Prayer is an act of worship. Prayer partners with the Lord in his purposes, and prayer is, I think, as great provision of God to us as is his word. Prayer is not a trick to make things happen. It's how we seek to know God, to walk in his ways, to receive from him every good thing that he wishes us to have, and how we get through this mixed, turbulent life. Pray and keep on praying, not to wear God down. We do not come to an unwilling God, but to a loving Father. But persistence in prayer is also persistence in faith. And Jesus teaches us to be persistent, to ask and to seek and to knock. As we do that, we listen to the Lord to straighten out our thinking and to redirect our prayers, perhaps. But your first prayer, if you've never prayed before, really, yourself, like for serious, is to come to the Lord and ask him for his grace and mercy, to receive you, to forgive you, as you trust that Jesus died and rose again for you, to bring you to God. I'm going to finish with a story that Jesus told it may have been something he observed, the same way he observed one time the rich people giving their money and a, and a poor widow giving a few coins, and he talked about that. He said he saw it. Maybe Jesus saw this happen too. He said two men went up to the temple to pray. Temple, of course, was what they did in those days. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now let me explain that to you. The Pharisee was a very ultra-religious Jewish person. He was one of those people who'd you know, be wearing all the right clothes and wearing the right prayer shawl and standing on the street corners letting people see him and you know he was a Pharisee the tax collector worked for the Romans collecting Roman taxes that's a bit like being in in France during the German occupation and working for the Germans do you understand you're working for the occupying force you're everybody's friend no tax Pharisee thought of himself as being a very religious very upright person tax collector Everybody thought of them as being the lowest of the low. They went to pray. The Pharisee stood and prayed this way with himself. Oh, Jesus, you're 
the way you put it. God, I thank you I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. That's all the hair prayer we get because it just went on the same way. The tax collector stood afar off. He's only just about inside. He's, he's up against the wall at the back, so to speak. And he wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his... I won't do it because this thing will go bang, bang. He beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There are not many words in God be merciful to me, a sinner. But that was the prayer that was heard in heaven that day and answered from heaven. It was a humble prayer from the heart, a humble calling out to God. And that man went home, made right, accepted by God. Will you bring such a prayer before God today? You can do it now, as we bow our heads in a moment. Or you may prefer to do what we read earlier, get somewhere and sometime today where only God can see you and only God can hear you. And you take your moment to pray your first real heartfelt prayer to God through Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have access to you through your son, Jesus. And you will hear every sincere prayer. We pray that we will learn to pray for your ear, to do things for your, for your eye. Even when we gather together, we'll put aside whether people are listening to us and what they're thinking about us. And just pray with honest, open hearts before you. For you love that sincerity. You love that truthfulness. And I pray right now you'll help those of us who do pray to learn more about what it is to pray, to draw close, to come not even with just a list of needs and wants, but to come to worship you, to come and find out more about you, to admire you, to settle our hearts again in your goodness and your greatness. And I pray now for those who've never prayed a God be merciful to me or Jesus please forgive me prayer that today they will find the moment take the moment to pray to you for forgiveness for acceptance for the beginning of a new life following Jesus hear those prayers today we pray through Jesus Father Amen Amen We're going to take communion together. I've got two up here. I don't know why.